Warm Weather Fans is brought to you by Liquid IV. With football season rapidly approaching, watching games in person or just hanging out at tailgates is going to be hot. Make sure that you are properly hydrated for the start of the year with three times the electrolytes of other sports drinks with Liquid IV. I personally love the flavors of their drink mixes, from all-new strawberry lemonade to passion fruit and watermelon. Liquid IV is a leader in staying hydrated. Get 20% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use code WARMWEATHER at checkout. That's 20% off anything you order when you shop Better Hydration Today using promo code WARMWEATHER at liquidiv.com. Welcome everybody into another episode of Warm Weather Fans, the Sunbelt Podcast. My name is Brian Stone, your host, uh, what seems like on a weekly basis, uh, at least, Georgia Southern writer for UnderdogDynasty.com. We're joined for the first time by Zeke Palermo, Georgia State writer for UnderdogDynasty.com. Zeke is fresh from Australia, having saved a baby from the jaws of an angry dingo, so kudos to him for that. Dingo did not eat my baby. Uh, <laughs> uh, Matt is uh, on hiatus. I think he had a plumbing issue or something along those lines, so he won't be joining us this week. Maybe one day, like week eight, we can get all three people on the podcast, but we'll we'll have to see how that goes. But I'm Z- thinking by the time bowl season starts, we can get the three of us here. But until then... I'll uh I'll have come down with mono or something that week and and you guys will have to handle it. So yeah, you get your sick days too, man. Don't sweat it. Are you familiar with like wrestling at all? Uh not like WWE. Yeah, like just I'm aware of it. Okay. We're going to be like the tag team the new day where like there's three people but only two people defend the belt. Like okay. that, like that type of deal. Like we'll just sure. con- We'll constantly be shifting in and out, like depending on who's who's available. <laughs> Fresh from Australia, how you doing, dude? It, it's great to be back. I, I had an incredible time, um, as you and I were talking about just briefly. I had some re- a really cool chance to be uh, working for the Associated Press um, during the Women's <laughs> World Cup, and um, I think more than anything, I just got to see some really cool <laughs> soccer and some really cool places. Um, that I otherwise wouldn't have had the chance to, so I'm grateful. But uh, good to be back in time for uh, football season. Yeah, for sure. It, like I said, it's good to have you in on on the the first episode of this podcast, at the very least. Mm-hmm. Um, so the two teams we're talking about today are the teams that finished third in both the East and the West, respectively. We're talking about Marshall first, and then we'll get mm-hmm. to Miss, Zeke's favorite team. Um, so <laughs> let's start off with Marshall here. Um, both of these teams, uh, Matt and I talked about this last week. Both of these teams are really similar. Um, the entire offense is built around one person, and they yep. both play the yep. same position. Team, uh, and if either team ever secures a quarterback, you might be cooking with gas. But we haven't seen it yet. So, right. obviously, okay. So Marshall, it, their offense is totally built around Rasheen Ali, the running back. Um, he he played really well in 2021. Last year gets injured, I think either in preseason or early in the season, and basically sits out, I think, 10 games before coming back and, and looking pretty good. But in steps Kalen Laybourne, who another running back, who uh was a transfer from Florida State, and it almost looked like 
you know, when an MLB player goes down for assignment and plays against the minor leaguers and just goes yep. like five for five with three home runs, like that was what it looked like. It looked like a guy who didn't really talent wise belong in the Sun Belt. He looked like he belonged mm-hmm. in the ACC. So, right. so let's start here. I'm going to put you a little bit on the spot here. Sure. How much of a step forward do we think Cam Fancher can take? Because that that's what this offense is really missing is the threat of throwing the football. And I say that saying that they went 9-4 and four last year, which is really impressive. But the lack of danger throwing the football is really what sort of holds them back from being, like, elite. Right. I mean, I think, first of all, Fancher doesn't need to take a huge, huge step, right? He he took the job for most of the season uh, from Henry Columby, who you'll recall going into last season was my guy. Uh, and he took that job and did a really good job and was a serviceable, like, mid-level Sunbelt quarterback. So it's not like we're ex- expecting giant leaps and bounds, especially when you consider that Fancher also provides a ton on the ground and, and was a big part of the rushing offense. Uh, but I think... Now that he has the job and that this is his job, we're going to see a much bigger jump than we would have seen uh, had it been Columby all last season because we've had an off season, we've had you know uh, a season to uh, build around Fancher, they've had uh, an off season to you know get him acquainted with the receivers and the coaches and you know things that when you're the backup coming into when you're a redshirt freshman don't have the opportunity to do coming into a beginning of the season. So I don't know if in terms of talent, he's going to need to make a massive step. It's just, he's the guy and he's going to be able to prepare with the ones, which is something he wasn't able to do last season. So I, I think one really important thing that he's going to have to do, and this is sort of like a, like a no duh type statement, but I think he's really going to have to improve his completion percentage. I mean, he he was, you know, 55% at the college level for any college starter is tough. It's yes. tough to stomach that. Um, especially, like I said, you, you know, last year you had Laybourne running for, what was it, like 1,500 yards or something crazy like that? So, mm-hmm. like, not even be able to run, like, a play action and know that, like, hey, our quarterback can hit the tight end, like, running a little in route over the middle. Like, the, that was a 50-50, like, coin toss. So, Right. That's something that's really going to have to improve is his accuracy and decision-making at the quarterback position. Uh, again, you know, we're, we're saying all this. They went 9-4 and four last year. You know, yep. it, it wasn't like... Um, there are a lot of other teams in the conference that don't have quarterbacks, and you're like, yeah, I see it. I saw it last year. This was like... The, the entire team is built around running the football, so... And built running the football and playing good defense. So I mean, as long as those two things hold, like they're not going to be bad by any stretch. They just need him to complete a higher rate of passes, make better decisions. Um, you know, and if you don't have that, you know who you have on the bench behind him is Chad Pennington. Yep. So, you know, a, a Marshall legacy is is potentially waiting in the wings to take your job. You don't want to end up like Henry Columby, buddy. Like, it, right. <laughs> you don't want to end up with a younger guy swooping in. Yeah. Uh, I think I, I get what you're saying here. I, I think the biggest thing is that Fancher does come into this season with a lot more job security than Columby had last season. Uh, by by week one or week two, we had already seen Fancher come in and take snaps. 
Uh, it wasn't a little later until he got the job, but once he did get the job, there wasn't much looking back from Marshall. Uh, so I think, especially with his age, I mean, he is only a redshirt sophomore. I think he would need to put up some absolute stinkers below that 55% mark that, like he said, is a little scary. But I don't think that's low enough to yank the guy from the job that, as you said uh, previous, won you, you know, a good handful of games. Sure. Um, so if if Fancher can complete a higher rate of his passes, he can really get the ball to some guys that I think receiver-wise are, are pretty good playmakers. Uh, you know, you've got Charles Montgomery playing the slot. Uh, you get Demarcus Harris um, from Kentucky. And then you get Brian Robinson, a transfer from Florida State. So I, I think, again, I think the talent's there. I think it all just comes down to Fancher or whoever. I mean, even if it doesn't end up that Fancher's the guy and they end up going with like Pennington's son or just someone else, like, I think this can be a really good offense. I think that they just need to figure out the quarterback position. And then right. uh, before we kind of transition over to the defense, looking at the offensive line, um, they were very good, obviously, at run blocking and have been for the past couple of years. I mean, Rasheen Ali ran for, I think, 1,400 yards in 2021. Laybourne runs for, I think, fourteen or 1,500 yards last year. So run blocking is not a concern. That is, no. that is in the back. However... Last year, um, they gave up 36 sacks, um, which is tough because, again, if you want Fancher to complete more of those passes, you can't. And and, and I agree. It's always part on the quarterback. Like, if they hold the ball too long, there's only so much the offensive line can do. But 36 sacks is a lot. So I think you cut down on yep. that number. Fancher gets a full year in the offense, like you kind of mentioned becomes more decisive, more accurate, feels more comfortable. I, I think you could be looking at a, a very, very good offense if Fancher figures it out. And that's a that's a big caveat because some guys just don't ever don't ever figure it out. Um yep. and then defensive wise, uh, a couple of guys that really stand out, Owen Porter, the defensive uh defensive end spot was first team all Sunbelt last year. Um you know nine and a half sacks last year so you got a guy that can play the edge rush the passer that's that's invaluable and then on the back end you've got Micah Abraham uh who was an honorable mention all-american last year um and was you know a shutdown corner 10 pass breakups and six picks very good numbers yep. for a college corner are we just sort of saying this defense is just going to be as good again because I uh, I mean, on paper, they've got the pieces at the key spots. Um, sure. But I mean, you know, defensively, that was something they really hung their hat on last year was knowing that they could run the ball and play defense. So what what are we kind of seeing for their defense this year? Uh, I agree with you that it it's really easy pr to project um, that this is going to be much of the same this year. I mean, last year, as you said, they, they were in the top five across the country, across all levels for that defense, at least statistically speaking, was top five. Uh, and as you said, Porter's incredible. Abraham is incredible. They got another linebacker, Eli Neal. I think he's a bit more of a stand-up guy as opposed to Porter who can put his hand in the dirt. They've got a lot of really good playmakers on this defense. What scares me is a new defensive coordinator. Lance Goodry, he's at Miami now. You got Jacob Seymour in. He's coming in not from in-house. He's from Georgia Tech. 
He's done some good stuff with Georgia Tech, but you can see this as a lateral move. It's not like you're getting, you know, you're not getting Alabama's defensive coordinator. You're not getting Georgia's defensive coordinator. So what scares me more than anything is not necessarily the talent on the field, because we can go down and rattle down the list of guys that are really good defensive players. It's with a new coordinator, even if he keeps the scheme similar, you got a different guy calling plays, and that's a a tough adjustment, especially when you're playing offenses that can be as prolific as we see in the Sunbelt East. Yeah, defensively, you know, you talked about whether they keep scheme the same and, and everything like that. I think if you are the new defensive coordinator, you come in and you watch tape from last year and you see guys like Owen Porter and you decide to switch up the defense, I think you're doing the team kind of a disservice. Um, right. I think you sort of need to... If you... I don't, I don't know about the new defensive coordinator. I don't know if he prefers like a different sort of scheme to, you know, the 4-3 or whatnot, but I think Good. for at least this year, you know, you can start to sort of mold it how you want it, how you want it later on. But I think for right now, you just kind of got to leave it as is. Um, and then I think, I think one of the other concerns is they only returned four defensive players um, from last year. Yeah. And we talked about two of them. But you just never know with that level of turnover. It's not always easy just to replace seven guys and keep, you know, keep chugging. Um, right. I mean, defensively, they allowed just 16 points per game last year, under 300 yards per game. I think they were eighth in the country in defensive yards per game allowed, which is amazing. So, yeah, I mean, we'll see if they can they can sort of plug and play. But I mean, we talked about a couple of the pieces there. They're on the the national watch lists with. Porter and um, Abraham. So we'll see if uh, head coach Charles Huff can just you know keep on keep on keep it on um, defensively and and offensively. We know Rasheen Ali is just a monster, so I I don't think that we really have yeah. any concerns. So let's sort of run down the schedule here. I think at least from a, a Sun Belt's perspective, it's a pretty favorable schedule. I mean, yeah. you basically have three or four tough tests and they, they all sort of come in a chunk of games, but I mean, you know, some of the other games, you know, you're looking at old dominion. I mean, no offense, Georgia state. Nope. None taken. You know, Georgia Southern, they, they totally just ran over last year. Like that was Georgia Southern looked like they were sleepwalking. Uh, Arkansas state again, Butch Jones has not figured it out. And and who knows if he ever will, uh, especially on the right. defensive side of the ball. And it's going to be really tough to stop Rasheen Ali if you can't tackle. So, um, but yeah, d- what do you think of their schedule? I mean, I think I think they're definitely going to have to to maybe upset some teams. Like they're going to have to right. catch a James Madison or uh, a South Alabama, and 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 sort of overcome that. But like Matt and I talked about it last week. We're not really that high on App State this year. I don't really know where all the hype seems to be coming. Um, I, I don't know if they're just doing great PR work or what it is, but I don't really, outside of Nate Noel, like I don't really see it. And then like Coastal, I have some real reservations about Tim Beck and his new offense coming in. It's going to be a lot less right. creative than what you saw with Jamie Chadwell. And like we'll we'll do a deeper dive on that, but I really have, he gives me like, Nathaniel Hackett coaching the Broncos vibes. So 
Right. So I, I think that that could go poorly. I mean, I think there's mm-hmm. a real shot at that. So what do you think, like, schedule-wise? What are we What are we thinking? Uh, their schedule, like you said, a bit of a softball. Obviously, Arkansas State is a really huge poll. You know, no one's going to complain about having to play them. Uh, having to play South Alabama is less than ideal. But I think these those teams are roughly comparable. So that's a very winnable game. Um, yeah, I the top three or four spots in the East this season are all pretty much interchangeable to me right now. It's James Madison, App, Coastal Marshall. You could put any of those four to any four spot, and I'll be pretty content with how you do it, no, no matter what combination. So it's just if they happen to win those inter or those in division games, they're gonna win the division. If they happen to lose to James Madison and to Coastal they're not and that's that's the crux of their schedule and that's kind of how we view in the future this season is going to depend entirely on how they play against JMU how they play against App how they play against Coastal I think having to play James Madison Coastal App and South Alabama in like a five week span is is really tough Um, it's tough but if you get hot you, you can run off of that yeah and that's near the back half of their schedule, too. So if they get hot at the right time, that could be a really big push for them going into a conference championship game and then into whatever bowl game they end up in. The funny thing, too, you know, we saw them beat Notre Dame last year in the second week of the season, which was a, a huge upset for the time. But then, you know, later looking back on it, Notre Dame was not, not anything. But... I'm not really impressed by their ACC opponents on paper, too. So I think another another round of upsets could be brewing, potentially. Like, Virginia Tech has not been anything since Frank Beamer retired. So, sure. So uh, they're, they're beatable. NC State is one of those teams that I feel like could lose any week. I don't feel like there's ever any real consistency in Raleigh. Um, but so I, I'm just saying, like, there's a lot of really winnable games. You play East Carolina week two. I I don't know much about them. I don't even know. I, Holton Aylers was the quarterback last year, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, that sounds it. He was good, but, uh, you know, I don't know if he's back or not. He seemed like he was like 25 years old. So <laughs> well, I think he's won Seattle. I think he's playing for the Seahawks these days, like in the NFL. Okay. I think he... UDFA. So, so I really have absolutely no clue who plays right. line anymore. Um, so yeah, I mean, like I said, really favorable schedule, and so you get sort of in that that mid that late chunk. But I think this is a really good team, and and they have you know an opportunity to you know really maybe improve on last year, but definitely at least sort of hold serve with with the way that things went last year. Um, yeah. Okay. So, we're going to switch gears a little bit and head to the Western Division. Um, Zeke, you are familiar with this team because you are super familiar with their fan base. Um, yes. The Southern Miss Golden Eagles, 7-6 uh, and six last year. Uh, Will Hall's third year coming in. Um, Zeke, do you want to... Do you want me to sort of give an overview about what happened with Southern Miss and you fans and you last year, or do you want to go over that? I can try to retell it. I mean, I remember uh, it pretty clearly, so I could tell it if you wanted me to. 
I, I let me see how good my memory is at first and interject if I if I go awry because uh, I I tried to make those one of those you know forget about it moments, but uh, all last season and I think this is not an opinion that was hold by held by just me. Uh, Southern Miss's offense was just not it. And I was vocal about that and uh, perhaps at times sensational in my uh, my my displeasure for the, that offense because, as we'll talk about, they went through like three or four quarterbacks. If you look at the efficiency ratings, they were better off playing Frank Gore Jr., the running back, than any of their guys on roster. And so the offense, the running game was spectacular at times, but as a whole... The the offense was miserable, and fans, as fans do, I, I'm not excluded from this. Fans, as fans do, came for me. Uh, they had all sorts of memes and jokes, uh, put my head on all sorts of you know posts and whatnot. And it was a fun time. I'll tell you, in the moment, I was really like really upset about it. It was the first time I had had something like that happen to me, so I was really scared and terrified. Like, oh, geez, these guys, they're not happy, man. Yeah. But uh, I think I could laugh about it now, but they I had some hard things to say and they uh, they had some hard things to say right back. I, I was about to say, it's almost, um, if I was to boil it down to a movie quote, it would be you know, Lebowski being like, you're not wrong, you're just an a-hole kind of thing. <laughs> like, now, I don't own that. You were, you were not, I even thought at the time, I was like, I sort of share some of your sentiments and your concerns about their offense, but the way that you sort of would doing it, I was like, whoa, like maybe we need to dial it back just a tad. But yeah, I mean, I remember they were the funniest part of the whole thing to me was they reeled off and just absolutely teed off on you for like all because it was specifically the week they played Georgia State. I remember. Oh, yes, I forgot about that. So that this was the week leading up to the Georgia State game. We're doing the recap for uh, they had just beaten Louisiana, and, and we were talking about how unsustainable what they were doing was. And you you were basically saying, I think Georgia State's going to gonna beat them fairly handily. And, and you were very colorful in saying it, which is what they took exception with. <laughs> but you were not wrong. Like it, Georgia State won by twenty eight points, and they walked them. They ran for four hundred yards, and it was it was absolute crickets from the from the other yeah. fans. Like after the game, they were just like, yeah. "You don't have to be so mean about it." That was basically the sentiment <laughs> bit after the game. Oh, so, um, um, yeah. So let it was did fun. I I got butt hurt at first, but it, that's we're all sports fans. We're just having good fun. It was a good time. <laughs> Um, and they're not going to like what I have to say about yeah. their quarterback room this year either. I mean, I'm going to be honest. The quarterback room to me is is just as much of a mess, at least on paper. I mean, I don't know half of these. Oh, yeah. Like, okay, Wilkie is back, but he was not good last year. You know, no. eight touchdowns, nine interceptions, 57% completion percentage. I know this, is, this has been printed, the Phil Steele college football magazine was printed a while ago when he printed it he didn't even project wilkie to be the starter he projected houston transfer holman edwards to be the starter having thrown zero college pass attempts and was already like i've seen enough from wilkie 
So, so that should kind of tell you where he thought the 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 court yeah. was. Uh, it's a it's a tough spread. Obviously, Wilkie. They also they brought in Edwards, as you said, who I guess had a very prolific community call it like JUCO career, from what I understand. So maybe trying to recapture some of the Stetson Bennett magic of yep. a couple years ago. Um, they also brought in Billy Wiles, who I don't know anything other than Clemson liked him enough to have him on their roster. So he's got to be at least a serviceable quarterback. I don't know. Um, it, and part of that's... Go ahead. He played for two years at Clemson and threw four passes. He's good enough to be on the roster. Um, I I really don't know what to say, and part of that's on me for not doing my diligence going to every spring game that Southern Miss, you know, driving out there uh, for every Southern Miss practice to keep my, my thumb on that pulse, but... It seems like a crapshoot, and we'll find out week one who starts and who throws the most passes. Um, it's going to be Frank Gore. The dude was crazy last year. He was crazy the year before. He's going to be crazy again this year. I don't know what else to say about the offense other than they lost their best receiving threat, Jason Brownlee, who I think also just got signed as EDFA to the Jets. Mm-hmm. Uh he was like 30% of their passing offense. And the guys that they have coming in, it's Jacarius Kasten and Ty Mims are the two wideouts that played last year that are sticking around and projected to get most of the snaps. And like, they're not going to have it. They could, they could be Randy Moss. They don't have anyone throwing it to them. Yeah. And it's unfortunate, but the offense is going to be Frank Gore. It's like what you said when we transitioned in. It's whatever Marshall's dealing with to the nth degree where they've got the running back situation set, they just need a guy that can throw the ball. And I don't know if they've got that, and we won't know for a while. Yeah. Uh, so there was a couple things I wanted to mention. Number one, uh, Matt and I were were sort of, after we signed off last week, we were sort of talking about how we were going to attack these previews because this is the first time that that two teams we've done have been like eerily similar. To the point mm-hmm. where we're almost like, how do you differentiate? How to, how to, you know, you can say Marshall's probably got a better head coach. They probably had a better defense last year, uh, but there. But other than that, like they're so similar that you're just like, how how can how many ways can you skin a cat in this situation? So you're just like looking at it. And then the other thing that I remember I said was uh, Southern Miss to me was like football the football equivalent of watching like david blaine or chris angel do street magic where you're just like watching and, and i'll explain why it, it i did it it's like when you see chris angel like levitate you're like okay i know it's fake but how did he do it you know and, and that was sort of the way i felt about southern miss winning football games last year i'm like this mm-hmm. isn't sustainable but how does it keep happening like i don't i don't understand this like for example I remember Southern Miss, I looked, went back and looked this up. Southern Miss played Tulane in like week four and won by three points over a really good Tulane team who ended up beating USC. They had 253 yards of total offense and 13 first downs in an entire 60-minute football game. I I don't know how you win with that. So that's what they managed. It's like an illusion. It's not not real, but somehow it it is. (laughs) Like, I don't, I don't get it. So uh, that's felt about the defense too. I mean, it wasn't like they were getting blown out by teams. Uh, Obviously, the Georgia State example being a huge outlier. 
but they had like some games where they would allow they kept Texas State to negative six rushing yards. Like no matter how bad Texas State's rushing game is, how do you do that? Uh, but then the next week, or you know, I, I don't know that when the Texas State game was in relation to Georgia State, but then they allow four hundred rushing yards to Georgia State. So it's just like the defense wasn't miserable; it was just enigmatic at times. It, it's like, what do you? We're just playing football to play football. It, so it was. It, I have this the schedules on this sheet, but it's it was Texas State. They won and and gave up negative six yards. They won by six. They beat Louisiana the following week by fifteen points. And then they lost to Georgia State by 28 the week after that. So the magic comes to an end, I guess. I, I don't know. I At 7-6 and six was such a weird ending for them. Uh, and I, I guess I hope for their sake that it's better. But, like, if they beat 6-6 six and six again yeah. this year, it's just, like, maybe I don't know as much about football as I thought because on paper this team is, like, you don't feel super optimistic about anything. You know, five, six wins feels like a really good, reasonable target. So the one thing that that really sort of anchored their defense last year was, so they weren't good in yards. Like, they gave up almost what? 375 yards per game. Mm-hmm. Only 23.5 points per game, so they were like a bend but don't break type defense. And they also had 44 sacks, which was fifth in the country. So... yep. That was a big reason for why they were able to stay in games is, is anytime it felt like they got a team into a third down situation, they were just coming with their ears pinned back and, and the other team just didn't really have a shot. So, mm-hmm. you know, you talked about some of the offensive pieces. Again, this is this is sort of what we said about Marshall, but like you said, almost extrapolated wherein if they don't figure out the quarterback position, this is going to be what year three of basically just saying, Hey, Frank Gore, what if we just snap the ball directly to you? And we just put like a 10th, what if we put 10 offensive linemen out there in you and we just snap the ball to you and you just ran forward on every play. I mean, at that point he might as well enlist and go play for like Navy army kind of deal. I mean, I, that's how, because that's it points how they use him when it gets really ugly. But it's a shame because I, I think he's a really good running back. You know, when you're rushing, for, it's hard to think a guy that rushes for 200 yards a game is a bad running back. I, this isn't a novel uh, belief, but I think he's really good. And I would love to see that, that him be used in more passing situations than they currently do. But again, without a quarterback that can really throw, you're just going to hand it off to him. E- even in check down situations, you're better off just passing it off to him yeah um okay so offensive line wise uh they return uh 87 career starts so phil Steele at least projects their offensive line to once again be good but mm-hmm. I, I think we've we've sort of beaten the stead horse with the quarterback situation yeah. so so we can sort of transition the the thing about the defense you know we talked about how good they were rushing the passer last year and not giving up points phil Steele. His his big takeaway is they have a good defensive line. Once again, mm-hmm. he said that they have the number one linebacker unit in the conference, uh, but they lost three starters from the secondary. So other teams throwing the ball against them might be like a real area of concern. So right, if if they don't return the production from the secondary, I think it could be really ugly considering how this team is just built around running the football. 
and and I mean, you can say whatever you want. They they were not a a Georgia Southern aired out type team. They were going to run the ball a, as much as humanly possible to sort of keep the the other teams off balance and and sort of mm-hmm. just kind of steal time away from the game. But defensively, it looks like they're going to have a good unit once again. The real questions are just come sort of in the back end of the defense. Yeah, they didn't. You mentioned losing a lot of uh, defensive back help, but they didn't lose too much uh, from the the front seven, the guys that are actually putting that pressure on. Uh, Dominic Kwan led them uh, the team in sacks last year. Uh, he's no longer with. He, he's since graduated, but he only accounted for ten of I think the thirty or forty sacks that the team had. Like, so even though he's missing, it was a sack by committee type deal. They were getting it from everywhere. They four or five guys register four, four and a half, five sacks. So I, I don't think the loss there is that big. Um, and to freak you out even more about the similarities, also a new defensive coordinator for Southern Miss. Uh, this time they brought the guy up through the system. He was the safeties coach for the past two years. His name's Dan O'Brien. Uh, he did. He also came from a Georgia school previously working uh, with Georgia, from what I understand. Um, so... I, I guess because he's coming from inside, he'll keep the schemes the same, which, as he said, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. They might need a little bit of tweaking, um, especially if this guy's is a safeties coach. He, he views the game from, you know, the back, uh, the backfield down instead of, you know, from the quarterback's perspective of D-line up. Um, it, it'll be interesting to see what he can do with a fresh, young secondary. Um, but... If he doesn't figure something out, they're just going to get the top blown off him, and games could get ugly quick. It's a real shame that Marshall doesn't play Southern Miss this year. I think we could get some real, like, 1950s football. Like, we might as well just, if they played, we could just strap on leather helmets and and just go play in the mud, (laughs) wearing, like, board pass is illegal. Oh, the leather helmets might not be a great idea with how much, you know, they'd, they'd just be running between the tackles. We'd have three guys leave the game with different brain injuries. <laughs> I mean, but I can, I can get on board with getting it in the mud, no forward pass. That's my kind of football. So uh, as much distaste as they may have for me, I I, I look forward to watching Southern Myth miss because I like what they're going to have to do on offense. Well, what what's that old quote? If you throw the football, there's there's three things that can happen and two of them are bad. Incomplete interception. Yeah. yeah I mean, <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah. So let's, let's talk about their, their schedule here. Uh, it, you want to talk about another team that sort of has a favorable conference schedule. Um, I feel like I'm going to be interested when, when we get to Troy and, and South Alabama in the, the finale of these because I feel like a lot of these teams somehow dodged playing both of them. And I feel like that would yes. be really tough on your schedule, but I feel like, may, like, it's almost like the worst teams in the conference got shafted, and the teams that were more toward the top got to play all of the bottom feeders. And I don't really know how that all works yeah. out. Um, so in conference they play Arkansas State, Texas State, Old Dominion. They do play South Alabama, uh, but they have a uh, bye beforehand, so. There's something there. Uh, and then they play Appalachian State, ULM, Louisiana. And then I guess they do play 
South Alabama and Troy. They played Troy in the finale. Um, sure. But it, it's not like a murderer's row. You know, you're not playing yeah. Coastal app South Alabama and Troy in the same season. It's like you kind of got them spread out and, and you know, maybe you catch South Alabama. Both teams are coming off a bye, but maybe you catch them off guard. Who knows? We'll, we'll sort of see how that all pans out. But, I mean, out of the conference, they, they play Alcorn State. They play Florida State again. They're not going to win that game. Uh, Tulane. And then that's basically it. Uh, and then it's the conference schedule. Yeah, it's a tough look. Uh, obviously, the West is a little softer, I think, uh, as a broad scale. So you can take solace in that. You get Arkansas State. You get Texas State. They rolled Old Dominion or, you know, rolled within... Uh, they landed Old Dominion, which should be probably some sort of win there. Um, but yeah, South Alabama's tough. App, tough. Louisiana, Troy, all at the end of the schedule is pretty tough to end on. But up and down, I mean, with Alcorn State is very winnable, obviously. Um, but aside from that, they're out of conference. Isn't uh, is not helping them any favors. So. I think I'm counting on my fingers here. I'm seeing four, five, four games that they should win, five that are very winnable. They could win a sixth game is the region I'm thinking here for them. Yeah, I think I think they could win seven. I, I, I think it's in the cards. Like, it could happen, you know? Uh, Louisiana is... It, I guess I forgot to mention they play Mississippi State too, and and who knows what it's going to look like post, uh, you know Mike Leach passing. So yeah. we have we literally have no idea what to expect from them. But Louisiana, Matt and I talked about this, and he feels this way even as a Louisiana fan. They are just a complete wild card. Like we don't know what really to expect. They were all over the map last year, results wise. They were not a fun team to watch, as I mentioned in the in the preview uh, last week. So. It's going to be interesting. Are they going to be more, you know, like they were in 2021 with like Billy Napier, where it was like a really fun offense to watch and they had a dynamic quarterback? Or is it going to be more of the same last year where it's one week we can run the football and the next week we look like we've never blocked for a running back in our lives? So we'll Daddy. have to see how that all sort of pans out. Um. So, yeah, let, I guess that's it. Let's go ahead and sort of start wrapping up here. Uh, yeah. Zeke, do you have any sort of final thoughts on on these two teams, and then sort of let everybody know where they can find you on social media? Yeah, so I, I mean, just to tie the bow, as you and I, you hit the he- nail on the head. These are just like really eerily similar teams, so it's tough to say a ton that's different. It's just I think Marshall is where Southern Miss wants to be, and if they can find a quarterback, I think. Marshall is the bar that Southern Miss could hit. It's just right now we're rolling with a Juco quarterback and a guy that's got four snaps. So I can't give them the benefit of the doubt yet. But if they can figure it out, Marshall's on the way up. Southern Miss is a step behind them, that one step being a large one in the quarterback. But if they can bridge that gap, there's a team around whatever quarterback that they find to win some games. Um, I'm on Twitter. Uh, the football offseason, I always go dark. Uh, so getting back into the swing, swing of things, my goodness, on Twitter, at Zeke Palermo, Z-E-K-E-P-A-L-E-R-M-O. 
Uh, you can also find the podcast there. Brian, I know you're on Twitter. Where are you at? I'm on x.com. Uh, oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was out xing the other day and, and doing all of that sort of stuff. Uh, yeah, so I, I do agree. It's almost like a like a twilight zone episode when you watch these two teams it, yeah. it's it's really just sort of a copy paste which is is a very interesting thing you don't get that a lot in this conference there's usually a lot of variety in in what different teams do and sort of where their strengths and and weaknesses are but run the football play defense i mean that's that's sort of the name of the game for both of these teams so uh yeah you can find me on twitter x whatever elon musk wants to call it this week um uh, at watch the stone. Uh, I did want to mention, follow us on, on Twitter at the podcast page, which is at warm weather fans. Um, and then just another last little note. Uh, I mentioned this pretty much every week, but I figured I'd mention it again. I have set up an email address specifically for the podcast. So if anybody wants to send us mailbag questions we'd love to do a mailbag or at least end an episode with some some questions that we can sort of bounce off and discuss that is warm weather fans all one word at gmail.com feel free to send us anything there we'll we'll for sure read it on the show um but yeah i mean rap we're we're coming to the end of uh of sunbelt preview season we're getting a lot closer um to the start of the football season um next week we'll come back and we will talk coastal who i mentioned is a is a very interesting team with with everything that sort of happened with them within the last year we'll also talk south alabama who last year had to be so frustrating for them uh they they were such a good football team and they lost one one conference game to troy and it was a wrap so that's that's got to be something that they're looking to avenge heading into into this year. But yeah, this has been another episode of Warm Weather Fans Sunbelt Podcast.